0: Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Brewed Lads.
1: First you take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes you. That from legendary writer F. Scott Fitzgerald.
2: Is that what the F is in F. Scott Fitzgerald? It's
1: F. Yeah. Is,
2: is the drink taking him?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, screw you, Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> it F's him. <laughs> Actually, I think Zelda, his uh wife was or his why well, I don't remember if she's I think she was just a long time companion with Mark F.U. Uh
2: probably, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he, I bet they effed a few times. Oh wait, I guess
1: I guess I guess. I think she was uh <laughs> Zelda Fitzgerald. I think I she remember. was too. I can't remember. Anyway, sure. if you want to find out Zelda's story, you can watch the uh, Amazon Prime show starring Christine Ricci, all about Zelda and F Scott.
2: Or listen to her shorty, the Fitzgerald podcast. <laughs> yes,
1: that's our next spin off. It's <laughs> gonna be <laughs> the one that actually gets some downloads. Exactly.
2: Welcome to episode one, one, two. We'll actually publish it, unlike all the other ones we threatened
1: yeah, to. Yeah, we're going to stop publishing the show, just do the F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> show.
2: Right. It's all going to be about Zelda and if Zelda was
1: actually married to him.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a very intense and what podcast. And what does
1: F mean in the F. Scott? <laughs> right, exactly. That's going to be our new serial uh, type show. What does the de- F mean?
2: De- de- yeah. De- 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: This is a telecom call from
2: F. Scott Fitzgerald. That almost sounded a little bit like our opening theme, the way <laughs> yeah, you did that. But. it's true.
1: So my approximation of the cereal thing. <laughs> right. So yes, episode 112 of Brew Bloods, uh, back on the scene with a beer lean. Drinking beer and thinking beer, as I, we were wont to do.
2: I don't know if I like this, I'm kind of used to 6am. Now that we're getting yeah. in the afternoon again, it's kind of weird.
1: <laughs> You're used to it, we did it all of one time, <laughs> right? and now we're back to, a, to an afternoon.
2: I, I feel like we had a really strong showing when we showed up before 6am.
1: The only reason it was strong was because we had uh, radio announcer voices. That's true, we're back to high voice. And now we're, like, we're good. up here, high <laughs> <laughs> Talking like normal brew blood. It's like our balls went back into our bodies. <laughs> that's right. Got uh, got myself a nice any now. <laughs> well, that's good. I pushed them all up back into me. <laughs> just voluntarily, though.
2: Right. It's which really of, awkward the way you do it right before a show, too.
1: Which, of course, according to biology, immediately means your voice raises about 10 uh, octaves.
2: That's how it naturally occurs. <laughs> your Adam's apple goes away. That's right. Your testosterone goes away. That's right. And you... You go back to pre-teen Mark. That's right. Ho, hey, guys. <laughs> my name's Mark. Exactly.
1: So let's talk some news. You've got some news. Let me down with some news.
2: Yeah, I found a couple of stories that may or may not be interesting. I think, uh, I think they're kind of interesting. i go
1: ahead and say not interesting.
2: Look, recycling is kind of a thing, right, that you enjoy? You're into that? I wouldn't say it i do it. I don't know if I'm into it. Like, hey, guys, let's go recycle. I thought it was like your passion. You're like Recyclops. Hey, guys, you see my new recycle
1: bin? It's so awesome. It's bright blue. (laughs) It's got a new lid and everything.
2: I love to recycle. Maybe exciting is the wrong word. but
1: All the cool kids recycle.
2: But, you know, you like renewable things. You like to try to to make the planet healthy, kind of keep it green, that kind of stuff. I like to
1: reduce and reuse. Sure.
2: So one company uh, actually decided that they wanted to do that as well. And... Basically, anybody that... Well, we're not master brewers or anything like that, but... Well, that's brewing. not the word
1: I thought you were about to say,
2: but I was <laughs> <laughs> say, yes, we are. <laughs> the, uh, basically, the whole brewing process that you go through, obviously, there's a lot of grain and other... Things that don't go into the final product. Wow, of that beer. is generic. Yes, uh, that
1: I think made now everybody knows we are not master brewers. <laughs> exactly. If you listen to the show before, you're pretty suspicious of our brewery qualifications. <laughs> our a lot brewery of things qualifications. Things go into the mash
2: that don't end up in the <laughs> final product. Tell us that. Is, so that, is that better? It
1: is locked in. We are not brewers.
2: <laughs> okay. So things left over in the mash. A lot of times, a lot of microbrewers, especially we'll the spent just, grain, perhaps. Yeah, spent grain. Well, that's I mentioned grain, and that's when you made. All fun right, of me. well, you
1: just said things. You said things okay. that go into Well, brewing. other
2: things are left over, but that's the main thing. And a lot of times, microbreweries too small to really do much about it. And depending where they're located, not close to somewhere like you know a farm that could actually use this and feed feed cattle and feed other things. Like right. a lot of the breweries around here, the larger ones do. They'll take a lot of that spent grain and, and actually redistribute it to farmers. So there is a company in New York, uh, Chelsea Craft Brewing, that decided we need to do something with this, even though we're a microbrewery, let's get together with some microbreweries, and if you add it all up, it's going to be a decent amount of spent grain. Mm-hmm. So they decided to turn all of that spent grain into bread products, and including basically bars made of, made of this material. So it's breakfast bars, energy bars, I guess you could say, but basically they wanted to use all that stuff as the base for those bars and for this bread product to... Not just trash everything and throw it away. So I thought that was kind of an interesting use of that. Especially, I think it would take something a little bit larger like this company. Uh, the company is called uh, Regrained and Toast.
1: And oh, you know what? Uh, faithful listener BK Harmony actually sent us a story last week. He sent us a video oh, did he? about okay. it. And uh, I chose not to report on it because we already had one story from him. We don't allow more than one story <laughs> from any one source.
2: Well... Great minds think alike. Yes. And and me and BK Harmonies are very similar. AKA, he doesn't pay attention to the Twitter feed. That's true, yeah. Um, Yeah. We we come across the same beer news. How's that? (laughs) But yeah, so this company, Regrain and Toast, decided they're going to go ahead and take the waste from this whole process and go ahead and make something useful out of it, which is good because there are, I mean, some people will tell you that things are slowing down. Some numbers indicate that perhaps some craft breweries' uh, sales have slowed and that kind of thing, or beer's... Beer is slowed in general, less so in the craft scene than the the macro, but it's slowed overall. But despite that, there's still a ton of microbreweries working. There's still a ton of beer being made, and it's not, there's still a bunch of breweries opening. So I think this is a good outlet, and companies like this existing, it's kind of nice to not just have a bunch of spent grain going to the garbage and, um, you know, actually being used for something. I wonder how, I've always
1: wondered how much a brewery, for instance, will get for their spent grain, you know, from a farmer. Right. Compared to what they buy, you know, their grain for.
2: You know, I think in some cases, depending on the brewery, uh, I they, believe Franconia here locally just gives it to them. Oh, do I they? don't think they sell it at all. It's just, we have this and you want it because they already bought the grain and we got no use for this.
1: Right. So, I and mean, they would probably have to pay to either compost it somewhere or right. just get thrown in the garbage. Yeah, I want to, yeah. One so of I guess other- maybe as long as the farmer comes and picks it up, pays for all the transport costs.
2: Right, and where they're located, in Franconia's case, it's a little bit easier because yeah, they're kind of on the outskirts of town, or at least close to it. But, yeah, I mean, you're even even if you're a microbrewery in the middle of Dallas, you know, Dallas is not being in the middle of New York City, but it's still inconvenient for a farmer to drive all the way in there for a microbrewery's worth of grain. They're probably yeah, not going to do sure. that. So I think it's pretty good. It's good to have the whole group together and have a larger uh, contingent actually take some action on that and do yeah. something with, with that. i mean the the great
1: thing about it's cool it's it's very cool that they're doing this but i mean the great thing at least in the case of recycling at least that spent grain is a biodegradable product it is in itself so at least at least if they were just trashing it at least we know that it wouldn't go to like kill a seagull or something
2: right it's not gonna wrap around a uh, turtle's neck and kill a dolphin strangle him yeah exactly
1: or a bird yeah gonna puncture a (laughs) blue whale's eye or something right exactly yeah i mean at least there's that so, at least it was, uh, even if even if the breweries around here aren't doing anything with it, at least there's that. There is worse uh, waste, Yes, sure. there is yes, worse, I agree. Yes. Like, every time they, you know, they do one batch, they throw out their, every, they always get a new mash ton. That is not biodegradable. That would be weird, yeah. That's a, that's a brewery secret, which you don't know. It's <laughs> part of the hidden cost of breweries, is every time yes. you brew a new batch, you have to get a new mash ton.
2: Yeah, it's very expensive. That's why we never opened a yeah, brewery.
1: exactly. We couldn't afford that's constant why mash tun.
2: That's why I said grain and things, because I don't know about it, yeah. because... I couldn't afford all the mash tunes. You
1: don't learn things until you actually become right. a brewer. I would so know what the things were You I don't learn it. what's in the list of things. Right. You don't, exactly. when you get your your brewer's hat, yes. then then you know all the things.
2: Yeah. At that point they tell they teach you
1: the things. Then Sis Arone comes and, and like <laughs> delivers onto your head all the facts about brewing.
2: Right. So the next bit of news this week comes out of San Francisco, although it's actually just a national story. We yeah. got this from sfgate.com if we ever promote the actual source, which we don't normally, but no, we don't. I'm going to go ahead and do that today. And this is kind of a broader take on things that we've probably known forever as far as creativity is concerned. Sure. They they, re- they relate this specifically to, does a pint of beer enhance your creativity? And I would say, uh, they get into the details of the study, but I'd really just like to kind of address this as a bigger question. This could go to anything. Does, does marijuana do it? Does a, you know, liquor do it, does wine do it? It doesn't really matter. I I think they just substituted a pint of beer in this particular case. Did some did some comparisons of asking for people to do certain word associations and that kind of thing or to come up with a short story idea and that kind you know, just little creative exercises. Sure. And the people that actually they they did it with a uh a control of people drinking non alcoholic beer versus people that drink some uh one or two pints depending. And the people that drank a couple pints were able to come up with much more creative ideas than the people that had nothing. How how are they – I guess what
1: qualifies as creative? Like, are they giving them a scenario and how would you solve this problem?
2: Uh, Well, or one example, it said uh, they did a creative word association, uh, which was uh, – in one case, participants were asked to find the word that linked the terms cake, blue, and Swiss. And those uh, that actually drank the beer were more likely to guess that the linking word was cheese. Ah. That kind of stuff. Okay. So – and
1: so they're saying that beer rated higher than the others?
2: Uh, people that actually drink beer versus drink the non-alcoholic beer did better. Oh, okay. They but they they're compare not... They to other items. They're not
1: talking like anal poppers, barbiturates, LSD, no, no, PCP, no. Angel Dust, which is just my typical Saturday morning.
2: Exactly. No, I only brought that stuff up to say, I think you could probably apply this to a lot of other things like yeah. that. I, you know, most famous authors have been associated with drinking alcohol or using I think, some sort of drug or, or something. Well, I know like... Uh,
1: F. Scott Fitzgerald, which we've mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Steinbeck, uh, Don't Artist Don't Hemingway. ruin the part
2: about Fitzgerald for the podcast later. What do you mean? Don't don't give the fun fact now. We've got to have that for the shorty.
1: Oh, well, I was just going to say that he was a known drinker. Oh, yeah. So you already ruined that's Oh, I've already ruined that it. That going to be 15 minutes 30-minute wow, yeah. podcast. I already ruined it. Dang. Yeah. I guess we can't All right, the that shorty's out. dead. We'll make it about Steinbeck instead. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, Steinbeck and uh, Fitzgerald, uh, I mean, a bunch of the Nobel Award winners were like heavy, heavy drunks. I know oh, it. Hemingway it was a massive drunk. Absolutely, I think Bukowski was also not a not an uh, an award well not a Nobel winner, but uh, I think he was pretty heavy drunk. Um, sure, I mean it's just there's something about it. It's, I mean, the, I guess the advantage is I mean I'm sure there's science behind well, it. But, I mean
2: Poe with the Raven. I mean that yeah. was like a drug induced.
1: Wasn't he big into uh, laudanum as well?
2: Yeah, was it was. It was definitely stronger than alcohol. I yeah. can't recall exactly what it was. Basically,
1: but, writers love to get effed up. Right. Love to expand the mind.
2: But the, the history I've heard of, at least the Raven is, it was he was on some kind of trip of something. Yeah. well, yeah, no. He was thinking he heard that, and that's kind of why he wrote that whole thing. Yeah, no surprise. But, um, I mean, I, I think it's true. I think you have – there's a point where you get stupid and you're not creative anymore. Sure. But if you get in that little sweet spot of tipsy to mm-hmm. lower end drunk, um, I think a lot of times you can come up with a lot of good ideas there. You can be looser. You can be funnier. You can—I think a lot of it helps. Yeah, there's, there's a, that helps a lot. There's to, a
1: definite sweet spot, right? Exactly. And then there's the spot you write ten chapters and you have no. You <laughs> wake up next morning, you don't know what the hell you just wrote.
2: Well, yeah, you turn into Buddy and say stupid yeah. stuff that doesn't make any sense. And there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a
1: there's a definite uh, moderation factor that I would think that goes along with that. Although, man, I, I from what I've heard and uh, you know I'm going through with my time machine, Hemingway was a heavy drunk, like, right? But uh I'm not a fan of his writing, but the man is, you know, obviously uh well regarded in literature, but
2: he's definitely more successful than I. Was. He's
1: way more successful. <laughs> he had the greatest podcast of all time.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> we were going to try to match that with Fitzgerald, but the Spanish Revolution said. cast. Yeah, true. Um yeah, I just uh there's
1: there's that definitely I I think what it is. I mean, I don't know if they explained articles I didn't bother to read your stuff cuz I try not to pay attention to you, but Yeah, true. You know, it loosens you up. It's the same thing as if you go to a party, and if you're a Nervous Nelly when you go to a party, and you have a couple of pops, and it loosens you up, and you're more likely to probably be friendly to a stranger as opposed to curling up in the corner and crying and, and pooping your pants.
2: Well, you care less about things, too. You care less. So you can kind of put yourself out there a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and same thing with writing. I'm sure you're more apt to just throw something against the wall and see if, see if that uh, poop sticks.
2: Yeah, they, they followed around 70 people. And this, so it was yeah, not just a small sample size.
1: It's kind of creepy, just follow um, them around everywhere.
2: Well, you know, for for are this you, particular this particular purpose. Are you
1: creative? <laughs> are you being creative right
2: now? Right. So they said if you get around the 003 percent blood alcohol content, which they call tipsy, that's kind of the point oh three. That's kind of the sweet spot,
1: which, at least in the state of Texas, .08 is that's legal limit. Legally drunk? Yeah. Which you can get after two drinks
2: pretty easily. I don't know that.
1: .03 Point oh yeah. three is tipsy. Well, they they called it that. I guess if you're like a hundred pound weakling, then sure, maybe point oh three is tipsy, but
2: compared to someone who drinks nothing, is yeah, oh yeah. So maybe maybe if you went all the way to point oh eight, you would have been that much more creative.
1: I guess, but I'm sure my blood alcohol regularly runs at point oh eight or higher. <laughs> I don't feel that tipsy, just in general. Yeah, I run a <laughs> high octane blood.
2: Yeah, that's true. You do an IV of of uh, Jameson, so it kind of mm. makes sense.
1: Yep, and I wake myself with with anal poppers every day.
2: You pop open that globe full of alcohol, and the IV pops right up. You it yeah.
1: right into the vein. And as soon as I wake up in the morning, I just pop open some smelling salts to get the day started. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> just get a nice head rush and then inject some PCP and start that, my day.
2: That makes sense. And Why pour, wouldn't you?
1: Pour a nice cup of coffee. Yeah. As I go on a strange nice tear. coffee and PCP. That's right. Nice combo. Murder several homeless. Yeah. You know, go run naked through the streets while vomiting all over the, <laughs> the sidewalks.
2: It really fits your nice suburban yeah. neighborhood you have here.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Desperate house husbands over here Yes Alright, well today we're going to talk about We haven't uh, traveled over to Europe in a while At least to talk about beer Actually, I have been We in, go over there, but We go over there but We don't ever talk about beer while we're there but, Yeah, exactly uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, I think they're one of Stefan's favorites uh, Rodenbach Who's we Stefan? Stefan, oh, forget him He's on the uh, 15-Minute Movie Podcast Oh, yeah, okay <laughs> That that guy, you know him Okay, yeah Yeah, sure. yeah He's not doing anything he, now No, right? he, doesn't, he just he doesn't not okay. He has nothing other than 15-Minute Movie Podcast Gotcha but, That makes sense Um He's been on the show before talking about that. And uh, I think he's a big fan of Rodenbach, from what I know. I I know he's talked about it on the 15 Minute Movie podcast. Yeah. And on Pickled Embryo back in the day. Uh, But today we're going to talk about Rodenbach, and they are uh, from somewhere in Europe that we'll talk about in a minute.
2: Bloods is brought to you by Warby Parker this week. Now, Mark, you're a glasses guy, or at least you were,
1: right? I am a glasses guy. I'm actually, I'm circling back around to glasses because I went a long time with glasses from three years old, that way back in 1983, basically a fetus, till about 1998, in which I was declared 2020 20 vision. Now, in my advanced age of 37, I'm actually wearing readers now. You should. So I'm actually I'm actually back to glasses again. So for my computering skills, I'm actually back to glasses. And uh, because of that, I'm looking for a new pair of glasses. I got, I got just a standard issue set of frames just because I needed something soon. But
2: I'm actually looking for something a little more fashionable. And as someone who's never worn glasses, I can't relate to all of these issues. Well, but, but your wife wears glasses. She does, yes. What would be your primary location that you would actually go looking for glasses?
1: Oh, maybe a TSO, maybe a Lens Crafters. And th- those are old school. Maybe a Sam's Optical, something like that. Those are old school. You're old, yeah, your old
2: school. Limited uh, online presence, right? Absolutely, absolutely. This is an online uh, age, isn't it?
1: It is. And Warby Parker has been uh, around for, wow, a long time. Like our friend Travis the Viking from the uh, Little Player Camp Podcast, he's used War- Warby Parker for a long time. He's always got crazy, like, orange, yellow, neon, green frames. He does. He loves anything that was the color of jams back in the 80s.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not into the crazy orange and... Yes. 80s colors. They do traduces. have normal styles. They do have Absolutely. regular as well.
1: Absolutely. And uh, if you go to warbyparkertrial.com slash brewbloods, you can uh, get five pairs of glasses for free to try on. They're not going to charge you unless you just like toss them in the garbage bin and never return them. But uh, five pairs to try on. Which is fair enough. They should at that point. I think. So go to com. You get uh, five a five-day try-on, five pairs to see what fits your face best in glasses. And I'm going to be doing this soon because I need a new, uh, I need some crazy glasses. I need you, need some some,
2: rain. you need to do something about that face. I and do. I think this, some Warby Parker this, glasses this will fix it. This face is a
1: blank canvas, and yes. I need something. I need something rather Randy Jackson-like. I need something <laughs> Travis the Viking-like to fit this face. Right. So warbyparkertrialcom slash BrewBloods. That's WarbyParkerTrial.com/slash/BrewBlues.
0: Hey guys, Josh here just to let you know, to remind you, to get the word out, to put it in your brain that no matter when you're listening to this podcast Thursday is right around the corner. What's so significant about Thursday? Well, at Thursday at noon, you get to tune in and listen live to Liquid Lunch. Join myself and Catherine Contreras from She's Crafty Podcast as we join forces to bring you Texas's live midday craft beer show. It's the only one like it out there in the entire world. We're live. We take your calls at 713-678-0070. We have on the best guests in the craft beer world from the state of Texas and beyond, and it's just a fun time. You'll hear what you're eating, what you're drinking, Weekend. We'll get the latest in uh, news and craft beer goings-ons, promotions of all the latest happenings, and you can be a part of the show with us each and every Thursday at noon. LiquidLunchShow is where we're located. Also on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, streaming live video and audio. Your choice. Come join the party. Kick off the weekend. Thursday at noon. LiquidLunchShow.com. That's Liquid Lunch. We'll see you there.
1: Bach. How much experience do you have with Rodenbach? Uh,
2: I would say none. I can't actually recall anything that I've ever had from them or seen from them. Well they are large.
1: I've, yeah, I've had this beer for a long time. This is the 2012 Oak Age Dale that we're talking about. And I think I bought it sometime in 2014. Wow. Is when it first hit the shelves, at least here. I don't know about uh, you know, the greater part of Europe. But I think it hit here sometime in 2014. I've just never bothered to open the beer.
2: That's what happens when you have a media room and a large fridge to store everything in.
1: And you have two closets full of beer that I never touch.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's probably plenty of stuff you bought in 2014 or 2013 you haven't touched that's sitting up there.
1: Yeah, you're lucky I allowed you to grab one cider from the uh, store. (laughs) <laughs> From this, it's uh, it's a rare privilege in this household. Yeah, nobody drinks beer in this house. We just talk about beer. Right, we look at we look at the beer. He, he just thinks beer. We just think beer. Yeah. We don't actually drink the beer. We just the think drink the beer. beer falls to me.
2: The thinking beer falls to him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we haven't done a lot of European breweries on the show. We tend to you know go stick with the United States mostly.
2: Tend tend to tend to stick with the dfw booting your ass beers a lot lately too uh
1: we do do a lot of locals we do a lot of state beers we done uh we you know when we do beers we take trips uh you know out of country but uh that's been rare few and far between
2: that's been what one time
1: that's been one time yeah so like i said few (laughs) and far between we may be uh we've got a trip to the dominican coming up pretty soon so
2: if there's something on the resort from a local brewery we'll review it we're not going to a local no because
1: chances are we'll probably get Kidnapped and held for ransom, <laughs> which nobody will ever pay.
2: That, that's true. <laughs> You'd never hear from us again. Yeah, you're My never going to be like, oh, okay. You're never
1: going to get the resolution on the F Scott Fitzgerald podcast <laughs> about what F means and F Scott. They would just follow up to see if we actually died, so they could <laughs> yeah. collect on the life insurance. Other no, than that. nobody would record a final episode though. <laughs> no, they just disappear. Of course not. You'd never hear but, from us again. But the great thing is that will inspire its own serial podcast, <laughs> a serial, a season of serial. What happened to the brew blows? What happened? <laughs> to, d- d- no, no. D- d- what happened to the F Scotts? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's true. We'll be more known for that. Yeah. We didn't know for what for disappearing and dying. <laughs> yeah. Before creating one episode. Yeah. Well will never know. We'll probably get mauled by some, you know, venomous frog or something. Right. That kills us slowly. With its probably poison. so. I don't know, can you be mauled by a frog? I guess you <laughs> no, can't. no. I was just going along with it to move <laughs> along, but no, you really can't. Although we don't know what uh, dangers lurk in the jungles of the Dominican Republic, and
2: we probably won't find out,
1: there might be massive frogs. I doubt we're going into the jungles. Yeah, so. if, if you step one toe outside the resort, yeah, you're, you're gonna get shot off immediately and, and tossed to the ravenous frogs.
2: <laughs> it gets cut off and held for ransom. Mm. <laughs>
1: Every time you step, one inch
2: of a new body part, it gets captured and cut off. We're losing all of our Dominican Republic listeners right now. All all of them, yes, (laughs) absolutely. I just said we're losing them all. I didn't say how many we have. So
1: Rodenbach is a Belgian brewery, and as everybody knows, who is somewhat somewhat acquainted with beer, the Belgians are quite highly regarded when it comes to beer. That is true. And Rodenbach seems to be a quite uh, well regarded brewery. What
2: would you say, Germans and Belgians? Belgians, (laughs) probably the uh,
1: yeah. Probably the top of the pops there? Definitely. Probably the fir- one of the first uh, or the early beer revolutions. Uh, if you talk outside, maybe the Egyptians or you know the well, development sure. of beer. Right. Uh, the refinement of beer definitely happens. Yes. In, in Western Europe, those two yes. take the cake there. And this so one so is, is in, it's in uh, West Flanders, Flanders as opposed to East Flanders. Right. Home of
2: the leftorium, of course. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't help but think of The Simpsons when yeah. you hear anything associated with Flanders.
1: Or they all agree with oakley, oakley yeah. Hidley they all home. pull taffy together. <laughs> exactly. They're all
2: <laughs> the home of taffy. Yes, right. absolutely. Yes. Left-handers and taffy.
1: <laughs> every, every, uh, every Flemish uh, Belgian is left-handed.
2: And they're all super ripped, too.
1: Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. And if, if a child is born and he's right-handed, yeah. then they immediately throw him to the uh, Belgian Venomous Frogs. They don't throw him to East Flanders? <laughs> no, East Flanders <laughs> don't want that. Yeah, true. Fair enough. I mean, yes, they're all right-handed in East Flanders, <laughs> but they don't want uh, the don't cast-offs. Want a, yeah, they don't want a cast-off they don't the want They don't want a West Flanders cast-off in, in East Flanders. That makes sense. It's like the Hatfields and McCoys. They'll never <laughs> take the those uh you know, cross bloods. Right. They might take up brew Bloods, but never a crossblood. Heyo. I don't know why it's heyo, we're not on the Larry Sanders show.
2: Oh. Hey oh That would be there Larry Sanders. There you, you
1: go, now you got it. Heyo is different. Heyo. So uh Rodenbach, yeah, so quite well regarded. They um an old timer. They are an old timer. Been since. around since yeah, eighteen and thirty six. It's going back a day or two. Uh just a few days, yeah. And uh, they are, like we said, we're from West Flanders And today we're going to be talking about a Flemish Red Ale Which, not familiar with that style at all
2: They're the archetype, the archetype, basically, for the whole style Which I've never heard of, like you said Yeah, not familiar I think before this, I'd never actually heard of it at all And yeah. I thought I'd heard of most of them This actually had a specific BJCP entry just for this style And well, this is the brewery that basically started this style So We
1: are not yet certified beer servers, so Yeah, that is true uh, We have many avenues to explore but uh, yeah, it's Oak Aged Ale, it uh, comes in at uh, ABV of 7%, uh, no IBU, should be served in a Sniffer, Tulip, or Tumbler, so pretty much any glass. <laughs> sure. and it is a Flanders Red Ale. Quite uh, highly rated, just like many of their other beers.
2: Yeah, most of them come in somewhere in the 90s. Um, you know, the, the lowest one was an 88, which is just the regular Rodenbach Sour Red, but everything else is come you know comes in at least at least an 80, 89, 90 plus, and... I can't say I've had any of these. Yeah, because, again, we, you know, even when we're,
1: you know, we're great beer explorers, but only within the States. That's true. We don't explore, because, at least in our, like, the craft beer seller here, local store. In our Fairburg. They do serve. A few Euro beers, but not that many, from what I remember.
2: Yeah, and if you go to, you know, if you go to a Specs or a Total Wine, they will have like a Euro section, but it's totally walled off.
1: Yeah, there, you have to walk. You have to walk through a locked door to get to yeah, the exactly. uh, Euro section. That's cider, true. cider and
2: Euros. Yeah,
1: pretty much. It's and, like the <laughs> it's like the old video stores with the curtain to get to the porn. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's like that. And then someone catches you in there, and you get embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you open up the bead door and that's yeah. where all the Euro beers You scream beers like are. a possum when he's exposed to light. <laughs> right. <laughs> but again, it's just not something I go for very much. You know? No. I just no. don't think of the Euro
1: beers. Well, because it, there's, we have such poor representations of Euro beer in the United States. That was going to be my. By order. and large. Yeah. At least as far as we know, other than uh, Brewdog, a couple of others, I would say a bulk of the Euro beers we get here are. M- most trash. of them are very generic. Yes, generic. Widely produced. A lot of generic lagers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we might get the occasional generic oktoberfest around this time of year.
2: I mean, it's very unfair, but when i think of a standard generic euro beer, i think of something like a harp. Sure. You know, it's just i don't know, I'm like, yeah. ah, that's okay, i'll skip that. Or a yeah. Or some kind or of amber, i'm just yeah. not a big fan of those. So, yeah, just the things i associate with them.
1: Like the de- i would say like the delirium series is awesome. Great beers. But i would say by and large, most of the euro beers here we get outside of brew dog and delirium are just kind of just always look over, and they're they tend to be loggers. They tend to be pale ales, poor representations thereof, and so right. yeah, we tend to skip them. Yeah. I grabbed this one because it was in the at the time in 2014. It was in the uh the uh bomber section of like special releases. Yeah, so stuff I just grabbed it, hand. thought it looked interesting, and I just never opened it. So right, and then I've come to find out, according to Stefan of the 15 Minute Movie Podcast and Pickled Embryo, right. that uh indeed uh, is a quite uh, highly regarded brewery in Europe.
2: Yeah, that's. Well, that's good. I'm looking forward to it because this one definitely has some, some pretty solid ratings. And even like Beer Advocate, they even give it a pretty high rating. Yeah, they give it a
1: 93 out of 100. Yeah. Rate Beer, a more international audience, gives it a 99 out of 100 and a 98 in style. Right. And Untapped gives it a rather high 4.19 out of 5 on 10,293 unique reviews.
2: Man, if, yeah, like we always say, if you get above four, you're doing well. And this is, you know, nearly four and a quarter. Yeah. It, it should be it should be a really good beer.
1: So expectations, because we tend to poo-poo red ales. <laughs> and this is a sour... You think? Yeah, of course we... I mean, we've said in the past... Red ale? But red Which so red ale you're doing? Yeah, but I'm saying...
2: If, if the red ale's more like an amber, then yeah.
1: I, I, I was saying red agree. ales as a genre tend to be underrepresented and in, in poor True. in quality. True. And we've had a few notable exceptions, you know, locally and such. But well, I mean, I
2: was going to say like like Velvet Hammer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A few
1: notable thing. exceptions, but I would yeah. think it's an I think it's a category that needs some revolution to it.
2: If it's a hoppy red ale, then I like it. If it's something that's more like a generic amber, yeah. I tend to not like it.
1: But this one tends to be more sour, and I didn't know that when I bought this. Yeah, I'm not I was definitely not a fan of sours at the time. Right. My taste buds have evolved. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what do you what do you expect for this beer.
2: Uh, I expect it to be kind of like a a sour amber ale, uh, honestly. And if the sour, if the sour is the dominant flavor, then I expect to actually like it. I do like, I do really love sour beers. It's kind of a thing I've been more on lately. Kind of a trend I've been more on lately. And yeah, if it if it's mostly sour, and not very red ale, and red ale is kind of the base, and it's just you know a thing that's in the background, then I'll be okay with it, and I expect it to be pretty good.
1: I I think if it's if it could be anything like New Belgium's the La Folie, I never know how to say that because I never heard me say it. Right, La series. I know the you are talking Those about. sour styles. Yeah. If it's anything like that, I think it could be. Di- it could be really good. That's right. something of like, again, my palate has started to evolve and I have started to appreciate sours more and more. Uh, I wouldn't say I am still like, yay, sours like True. number one style, but I've started to appreciate them more in the last you know six months or so. Yeah. So I really like the uh, New Belgium La Folie. So if that's if it's like that. Uh, home run absolutely really well balanced sour without being overpowering so uh we'll see i'm i'm hoping some of that oak age kind of takes out kind of rounds out the the flavor palette of that beer
2: right and they do oak age mostly everything it appears so yeah yeah i'm I'm looking forward to that and yeah the fact that it's anything over like a 4.15 or anything over a four really on untapped especially with that many reviews you know, 10,293. I expect it to be really, really good. That's a lot of people to critique it and bring it down, and they're not. So, And yeah. I'm
1: wondering how it tastes being aged.
2: Uh, yeah, an extra three years. Yeah, well, five years if it's 2012. Yeah, it originally yeah. Well, in, three years from when you
1: got yeah, it. Yeah, three years from when I got it, yeah. but uh, five years overall. It'll be interesting to see how. should course, be we smoother. Have, we don't have any comparison, but it should be dang smooth. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. All right, we'll talk about the Rodenbach Oak
2: Aged Flanders Red Ale after this. <laughs> In 1821, the four Rodenbach brothers, Pedro, Alexander, Ferdinand, and Constantin, invested in a small brewery in Rosalara in the West Flanders province of Belgium. The brothers agreed to a partnership for 15 years. At the end of this, Pedro and his wife, Regina Walters, bought the brewery from the others and Regina ran the business while Pedro served in the military. Their son Edward later took over the brewery in 1864, and it was during this time the brewery saw its greatest growth. Edward's son Eugene took over in 1878. He traveled to England to learn how to ripen beer in oak barrels and then mix old and young beers together. It was this that became the method of producing beer that Rodenbach became famous for. As Eugene produced no male offspring, a public limited liability corporation was created and most shares remained in the hands of descendants until 1998 when the brewery was sold to Palm Brewery. Rodenbach is most known for their distinct sour profiles. These can be found in beers such as their Grand Cru and original Rodenbach.
1: The BJCP standards for a Flanders red ale. Overall impression is that it's a complex, sour, red wine-like, Belgian-style ale, which I guess will you will not appreciate. Yeah, probably not. The fact not. that you hate Belgians. Uh, long aging and blending of young and well-aged beer often occurs, adding to the smoothness and complexity. Though the aged product is sometimes released as a connoisseur's beer, it uh, could also be known as the Burgundy of Belgium. It is more wine-like than any other beer style. Aging will darken the beer. The uh, Flanders Red is more ascetic, and the fruity flavor is more reminiscent of a red wine than an Eau de Bruin, another beer style I'm not familiar <laughs> with. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, commercial examples include the Rodenbach Classic, the Rodenbach Grand Cru, the uh, one you might be familiar, I've talked about this already, the New Belgium La Folie, the, uh, let's see, Southampton, Southampton Flanders Red Ale, and the New Glarus Enigma, although we don't get New Glarus here. I know a lot of people are familiar with that beer. So
2: Yeah, and we didn't mention it when we were going over, going over the other beers. I just kind of gave ratings of the other beers, but the Crew was the number one most-reviewed beer by them and one of the highest-rated ones they had, so I'm not surprised it's in the mix here.
1: So the uh, label on the bottle is, I would say, a lot more like a wine bottle than a typical beer label. The overall bottle looks a lot more like a wine bottle. It's, yeah, it's definitely a regular wine bottle in shape and just the label in general, I would say is a lot more in its script, its fonts and uh, just the, I don't know. It just looks a lot more like wine looks than like it does wine, yeah. than beer. I would but, agree, uh, yes. Supposedly it's a beer. I guess we'll find out.
2: <laughs> well, they said this is very wine-like, so.
1: Very wine-like, yes, absolutely. The appearance of this beer should be deep red, burgundy to reddish-brown in color, good clarity, white to very pale tan head, and an average to good head retention. And we are drinking these out of Snifters today. And I would say that uh, it has a light tan, uh, like a lighter version of Docker's. That the uh, average generic businessman might wear. It's
2: yeah. It's oh yeah. You mean the overall beer Sure. Yeah, thought you meant the head. I was. to no, the, the head, head is, is, is white. No, I'm saying that the
1: head is light. Is a light uh, tan color. Yeah,
2: it's pretty close to white. Like though. a
1: like a chino. A nice uh, some nice chinos. Yeah,
2: it's about as light tan as you can get before being pure white.
1: Yeah. Um. Yes. Absolutely. Much to the uh, chagrin of some of the Charlottesville protesters. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's thick too. It is quite thick. It's hard to tell because at least my glass is kind of frosted over here. So it's kind of hard to tell the clarity, but it's a little
2: bit frosted too. It's
1: a little reddish in color, kind of uh, as I hold it up to the uh, fan light here, a little uh, muddy waters.
2: Type it's reddish, a little caramely. Um, but yeah, I see a little reddish in the direct light. But I would say overall it has more of a caramel appearance.
1: Uh, yeah, kind of caramelly. Kind of reminds me of the appearance of the Red River uh, yeah. up north, just north of here. Uh, red, red clay, red dirt country.
2: Exactly, yeah. Very very red dirt country. Very red dirt uh, country, appearance. absolutely. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Uh, the aroma should be complex fruitiness with complementary malt. Fruitiness is high and reminiscent of black cherries, oranges, plums, and or red currants. There's often some vanilla and or chocolate notes, and you might detect some spice.
2: Yeah, there's definitely some spice in there
1: definitely get those sour notes with some belgian earthy tones
2: yeah although the earthy tones are probably the weakest the weakest part of it to me i think it's very oh it's not as strong as a belgian usually is yeah it it's it's pretty fruity it's pretty it's pretty spicy I think those are probably good descriptors for it for sure.
1: I mean our comparison scale is usually the planeteers from Captain Planet. And I would say most Belgians are more kwame. Right. And this is like tiny little toddler kwame here. This is not full grown kwame. This is not planeteer Kwami. It's,
2: it's nearly newborn Kwami.
1: Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's very fetal. Yeah. Just just uh just injected into mommy kwame. <laughs> this isn't full fledged kwame. This yeah,
2: you don't it, want him as a planeteer this is, yet. Yeah,
1: this is turkey basted mommy kwami. <laughs>
2: exactly, yes.
1: But uh a lot of cherry like it reminds me a lot of uh like a fresh cherry.
2: It does. Yes. In the on the nose and It does remind you of that? That's a weird way to phrase it. It does smell like that. Yes. It smells it well, why is that weird to remind
1: like it reminds you of a fresh a fresh cherry. No,
2: no, it's weird for me to agree that it reminds you of that. <laughs> oh yeah. So yes, I, I would I would agree that it
1: does. It does smell like that. This is how you
2: remind <laughs> me.
1: But uh, very sour on the – well, I say that. It's not extremely sour on the nose, but it's like a fresh fruit sour.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: With not a lot of sweet edge on that.
2: Dude. Yeah, it's it's got a spice. I would say it, it kind of smells like a uh, mix of cherries and grandma's old smi- uh, spice rack or something <laughs> like that. And I say old, that's kind of a negative connotation. But, you know, something that spices has been around and yeah. it's been aged. And you can smell that those just that mix of pleasant aromas that could definitely – Create something very tasty. Sure, it's like the smell Put of that your, way.
1: the red bag that, ha- that hangs in your grandma's shower.
2: Oh, well, I don't know about that bag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the uh, mouthfeel and the taste on this, uh, medium body, low to medium carbonation, low to medium astringency like a well-aged red wine, often with a prickly acidity. Can, uh should be deceivingly light and crisp on the palate, although a somewhat sweet finish is not uncommon. There
2: are a lot of red wine references. There are. This whole thing.
1: Uh, flavor, intense fruitiness, commonly includes plum, orange, black cherry, or a red currant, like we talked about before. Uh, middle, uh, vanilla and chocolate is uh, often present, and uh, you should expect maybe some spice. It's not unusual. A sour, acidic character ranges from complimentary to intense. So quite the rainbow of flavors here.
2: Which I expect it to not be as, a, as intense, given the age. Now, if 2014 Mark had busted this out, I think you would have hated it.
1: I would have projectile vomited uh, right in your taint.
2: Probably would have drain poured it.
1: Yeah, right (laughs) into your taint. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Now, I do get the range of fruits. I do get some vanilla. I would say it's more vanilla than it is chocolate in this one. Because it's a vanilla and or chocolate. And there's definitely a sour element to it. But I would say, part of the style, it is very red wine-like.
1: Now, it's not like drinking... It, to me, at least, it's not quite like drinking a glass of red wine. No, it's not. Uh, as we, you know, pretty much only when I drink wine, pretty much all I drink are reds. So it's not like a glass of, you know, Burgundy or a glass of uh, Merlot, any effing Merlot or or Cabernet or whatever, what have you. Sure, Some nice Marquez.
2: This is um, more like a, fruity, like a fruity white wine, I would say, more than it is really a <laughs> but hardcore with, red wine. It's like a fruity... White
1: wine, but with red wine flavors, because it yeah. t- to me it tastes like a red wine. It tastes like a red wine with some ice, like a nice wine spritzer.
2: It it, it almost has some cider-esque sure. uh, qualities about it. I can see that. Uh, yeah, and it, like I feel like apple apple type flavors are in there pretty prominently, and yeah, like you said, um the sour flavor is definitely there, and like I feel like the vanilla is present. I don't feel like there's any chocolate in this one. I think this is more no. the vanilla range.
1: Uh, vanilla there to me is very light, but, uh, I would agree with your apple notes. Yeah. And it very, no, app- I'm
2: not saying vanilla is prominent, but if you're going to say vanilla or, and or chocolate, I think yeah. it's on the vanilla spectrum for sure. It's, uh,
1: definitely got some kind of, uh, apple heady notes there for sure. No hot flavor for sure. Like they said. And actually kind of bready on the back end. I got, yeah. I think it's got kind of like, um, at the very back, it's got kind of like a banana nut quality to it. Yeah. which is a weird it's not bad it's just a, it's an interesting flavor transition from yeah, it, it goes very from, not not very it's like fresh fruit up front right transitioning to kind of banana bread on the back end which is an interesting uh, transition it's different
2: for sure yeah. yeah it's
1: different it's not bad it's just uh not not at all what i was expecting for sure <clears throat>
2: they also mentioned diacetyl is perceived only in very minor qualities uh quantities if at all i would say not at all in this i don't get any I don't get any diacetyl flavor at all. Which diacetyl,
1: for you know, if you don't know, is kind of a buttery quality. Yeah. Um, one of the few styles I I guess I'm aware of now that uh, diacetyl is okay to have <laughs> right. in any components. But, yeah, that they actually mentioned maybe. Anything. And I, I could see that. Like, if you had a light diacetyl quality, kind of round, I could see that maybe rounding up the flavor.
2: Yeah, I don't think it would hurt it, really. But In very light. Like yeah, I, yeah. I feel
1: like if it's too strong it would ruin it. But maybe a light uh diacetyl kiss on it, sure. Yeah, just yeah. I could see that.
2: Just an angel hair of diacetyl. Yeah. I could see that. Yes. Medium bodied, uh I would agree with that. Uh medium carbonation it says, although I would say for as long as this is aged, it actually has quite a lot of carbonation.
1: It's quite well carbonated, yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of got the the uh the composition of a carbonated red wine. Yeah. Like the just the overall like it just, it's kind of like someone, yeah, took a glass of red wine and injected it with carbonation. That's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Which is, not a, again, not a bad thing. It's just, not, again, it's an entirely new style to us, not at all what I expected. So it's
2: No, not at all what I expected. It's an entirely
1: either. new uh, taste-buttery experience. <laughs> taste-buttery? Taste-buttery, sure. We're going with it. That's a new term. Well, that would be diacetyl. It's a new. It's a new. Uh, no, not buttery. As in butter. As in Paula Oh, you mean t- bud- taste buttery, buds. like
2: buddies. Taste
1: buddies. Yes. Okay, yes. Taste <laughs> but, okay. Buddies. Okay. Right. Taste butter Buddies. Buddies.
2: Buddies. Yeah.
1: It's a new. It's a. It's a whole new world.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's. It's a lot more cidery than I expected. A lot more fresh fruity than I expected too. It's very, very drinkable. <laughs> it's not. It's not extremely sour either. There's. There's an edge of it, but it's not. I mean, just when I think of the modern. Well, not that this is like old school, but just like a common sour I would get somewhere. I feel like a lot of times those really kick up the sour notes. It's not just like a subtle flavoring, and this really doesn't do that. Yeah, I agree. And it's, that could be part of the aging. I don't know, because fruity flavors tend to come out and age more than... Yeah. Uh, Hot flavors, at least. I don't know if the same thing happens to sours as they age.
1: At least five years later, this is a very well-rounded beer. I can't speak <laughs> right. to 2012. Right. I can't speak to 2014, but in 2017, five years later... <laughs> It is a very well-rounded uh, beer. Should have bought a pallet. Very tasty, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can still find um, the newer versions. I've seen these at Total Wine. I just haven't bothered to pick them up because I didn't drink this one. Right. Next time I see it on the shelf, I'm going to buy the entire pallet.
2: Well, that, d- that definitely indicates what kind of rating you're Ooh, getting. ratings. Ratings. Go ahead, Mark.
1: Very well surprised by this beer. And as I've said before, uh, 1100 20,050 times. Uh, not a sour fan or haven't been. My palate has been evolving like a Pokemon.
2: 120,050 times. That's right.
1: Interesting. It's a complex math number. <laughs> it is. Einstein came up with that. And he discovered that number. <laughs> he discovered it, yes. Yep. Him and uh, Russell Crowe, they discovered it together. Very complex uh, palates, and I think that too often what we see, and they probably have the benefit of making these beers for a long time, is that most beers... Mm. And I guess understandably so have kind of a one note uh palette to them, a one note taste. It's typically it's usually most beers I would say are are the same front to back. The the the, the front front is the same as the front bottom. It's the same throughout. You know, you think, no no surprise. You think most yeah, beers are I think, like that? I think most beers are like that.
2: Hmm. I, I, I think, feel like we've reviewed a lot that have some kind of different front and back
1: end. I think they're yes, I think there's a good number of them I'm saying, but this isn't like an entirely different level. Sure. This is like Really fresh fruit up front, and banana banana bread on the back is quite a transition. It's not like biting into a fresh banana bread muffin or something, no. but it's got a very breaded presence on the back. The uh, again, the uh, turkey baster kwame is very light there, uh, which is to me appreciated because I'm not typically a fan of the earthier styles. Um, you hate fully developed kwame. I don't like. I don't like adult kwame. No, not at all. He he he's not. He cannot enter past the doorstep <laughs> in this house. He's like a vampire. Uh, the fresh fruit is nice. It's very light cherry flavor. Maybe some plum to it. Uh, this, there's a little bit of pepper there, but I would say it's very, very, very light on the roof of your mouth. Like uh, maybe a light, light pepper spice to it. But and it's on the the back of the roof of my mouth. But but not heavy presence at all. This, to me, if you if you found somebody that uh, had never had a sour before and they were averse to it, I would say this is... If you can find this beer, this is what you would start with. This is a dang good example. I would say this yeah. is better than the New Belgium La Foley, uh, which I really like that beer. Uh, this is, to me, um, whatever the Belgian equivalent to home run is in Belgian sports. <laughs> <laughs> whatever is that, that is. like a cricket hit or that, something? Like uh, some sort of cricket home run. <laughs> sure. It's a... Uh, an unguarded goal in football, there you AKA go. soccer. Uh, this is it. Uh, this is a fantastic beer. I would absolutely drink this again. Five out of five.
2: I didn't have any particular specific expectations going into this. Based on the ratings, I expected it to be very good. It's a style that is so foreign to me because I just never have had a Flanders Red Ale style. I had no idea what to expect. It was expect so foreign you wanted to build a wall. Exactly rice box them in in western belgium but being a sour and being a brewery that's been around for so long i mean we're pushing what 280 years at this point mm, math hopefully they uh they actually have perfected a few of these recipes and most of most of their beers get really high ratings so taking all that into account and being kind of a sour fan lately i i was hoping for this to be a really good sour and I think one of the one of the problems I have with sours is very similar to a lot of the really over the top i p a s that are coming out these days. I think a lot of them go a little too far. I think they're a little too sour. I think a lot of i p a s are a little too hoppy for most people, sure uh, even though I enjoy that I can also say you know i don't mind I don't mind a few days where we tamp that down a little bit and just have yeah. something a little more pleasant and more more sessionable and I think that this one. Again, not, you don't always have to be heavy metal. Like you can,
1: yeah, we can nice enjoy some, you know, I don't know, some ELO. Be, be a
2: little, yeah, be a little subtle, be a little chill. Have yeah. some shoegaze days, yeah, you know, some something shoegaze, like sure. that. So, yeah, for me, some air supply days. This, oh, absolutely, some air supply days. Yeah, is this the air supply of sours? It may be. It may be. I don't, and don't that's, know what your again, thoughts on are. That's not a bad thing. I was going to say, hey,
1: you, and me, we are connect because the, I love air supply. So. We are the air supply of podcasts. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. That's true. We're, we're mild at best, but damn, we're enjoyable.
2: <laughs> right. We're, we're, we're very sessionable. We're the, we're the Yacht Rock podcast. We're very sessionable. sessionable. sessionable you can listen yeah. to several episodes. Yeah. Sessionable <laughs> Yacht Podcast. you kind of feel the same after you've listened to all of them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I was very pleasantly surprised that the sour was so well balanced out by the black cherry flavor, what I perceive to be kind of an apple flavor. I know that's not specifically necessarily in this, but that kind of profile was in there a, a hint of vanilla i didn't get much peppery that you did but i i see what you're saying um it, it's nice to have a beer these days it has no hot presence just for a change it's it's a nice change and all that together i don't know if this is something that if i got the 2017 version of this i'd like it as much it may be more sour may have other elements that you need to age it for five It'd years be an
1: interesting comparison.
2: Yeah, it would be yeah just out of curiosity but Based on this twenty seventeen twenty seventeen twenty twelve version in twenty seventeen, I'm going to be there right. I'm going to be right there with you and say five
1: out of five. Pow pow boom 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 pow 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 pow.
2: This is a beer I think beer drinkers would like. I think wine drinkers would like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I even think people that are on the fence about craft beers. I know it's it's an odd style to say that would be one to present to them, but I actually think this would be. If you know a guy that likes Budweiser and likes wine, this would be one sure. to go ahead and give have him give it a try.
1: I yeah, I agree, and it's much like I said about uh, Oak Highlands, their white wine freaky deaky. Like I feel like that beer, if it were to age, I don't honestly, and this is not, I'm not trying to you know up, blow smoke up their taints, but like that was a beer that I feel like could really be a gateway beer for some wine drinkers. Sure, even if you were to age that beer farther out, maybe toss that in some some oak barrels as well. I think for red wine drinkers, this is a, also a good gateway beer. This is a the dang good representation. I agree with you. Absolutely. This yeah. is a nice transitionary gateway beer. So five
2: out of five. Transition into craft beer. With Transition,
1: this beer. absolutely. Five out of five for Rodenbach, the Oak Agedale. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to episode 112 of Birdbloods. We really appreciate the support. If you enjoy this show, you might enjoy our other random podcast called Break Room, which we do... Uh, very occasionally. Eh, whenever. You can find that at breakroom.tv. All the links to that's uh, very NSFW, very random, and very scatological, to say the least. Thanks to uh, BK Harmony on Twitter for this new story last week, which we didn't talk about, which we talked about this week. We appreciate it. Uh, if you have any friends that enjoy podcasts, listen to things, enjoy craft beer, tell them about this show. We'd appreciate it. And you can check us out on the social networks, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have feedback on the show, you can email us at brewbloodshow at gmail.com.
2: The occasional Snapchat.
1: Or you can snap, snap fart us, and uh, you can call us at 469-573-BEER. That's
2: 469-573-2337. Someone call us and leave us a voicemail so we know it works. Just, uh, yeah, even if it's a, <laughs> a spam call. Even if it's a fart. Uh, I yeah. don't care. Something. <laughs> Do something, please. Oh, we'll play it. Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah, we'll play it for sure. Alright, we'll catch you guys next week for episode one one three Bruble ads for Dustin, I am
2: Mark. Mark and Dustin Probst. Probst.